Hey guys, it's Jack. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, my guest today is Ryan Kronberg, and we're going to tell uh, the story of of how we met each other oddly on on a Ferris wheel. Uh, but but I just want to say a few words before we get started. Um, uh, Ryan has has been open about his struggle with mental health, um, and, and you'll hear a little bit more. Uh, about bipolar disorder, uh, depression, and, and those sorts of things, and uh, and and I encourage you to to listen through this this entire thing um, because it, it does take a little while. And and Ryan even admits this kind of in in the podcast where he says even even in this interview you, you see how I'm really up and and really down. Um, and I, I think just some of just some of that hearing him him speak and hearing who he is 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 really interesting with this and, and kind of understanding it. So, uh, yeah, take a listen. Hope this is, is helpful for you. Um, and, and as always, thanks for the support. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, make sure if you don't, um, haven't already liked our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Jack Mitchell podcast. Go ahead and do that. If you have any guest suggestions, uh, any other comments, reach out there, reach out on Twitter, however you want to do it. All right, let's get on with today's show. Welcome into the Jack Mitchell Podcast once again, and uh, boy, we have been all over the place in terms of topics on this thing, and that's that's really what I wanted to do when I got started with this thing is is uh, just talk about the things that I'm thinking about, and uh, as as you probably know by now, I, my my mind goes one place to another, and so we go we go sports to to politics to. Um, fast food to uh, to uh, our last guest Ross Benish standing in his women's underwear at a Cultiva coffee. So we we've been all over the place uh, with that again today, and and today we're going to go um, a direction that again is something that I think about a lot. Um, my my guest today is uh, Ryan Kronberg. Did I say it right, Ryan? All right, I said it right. Um, so I, I like to start these things out. If you're a first time listener here, kind of talking about my intersection in life with my guests, whether it's minimal or very significant. And uh, oddly enough, uh, I met uh, Ryan on a Ferris wheel. Uh, <laughs> in Shields. In, uh, in Shields in Lincoln, Nebraska. A few years ago, we uh, I did one of these stunts that I often do for the radio where I had uh, gotten, I had agreed to uh, ride a Ferris wheel for an entire day, the Ferris wheel at the Shields in Lincoln, to raise money for flood relief through the United Way, which oddly enough... The United Way, my wife is now the executive director of. She had nothing to do with then, and, and so it's odd how it all came together with that. But one of the people, one of the things that people could do is they, uh, if they donated, we invited them if they wanted to come ride the Ferris wheel with me for a little while. And one of the people that came in uh, was the man who's sitting across from me in my basement right now, um, and started talking, and uh, and I found out that we had a commonality in that. Uh, we both spent time in Orange City, Iowa at Northwestern College, and that was cool because I don't meet very many people. <laughs> Usually when I say I went to Northwestern, they're like, oh, really? Uh, Evanston? No. Although some people, I just let them think that, but, <laughs> but no, uh, no, the one in Northwest Iowa. And so we had all kinds of things we could talk about while we were on the Ferris wheel, and I knew more that we could talk about going forward and our mutual interest in in sports and covering sports and everything else. So uh, I kind of got to know him a little bit more on social media after that. I don't know if you've even talked in person since then. Um, you saw me at the Salt Dogs game a couple weeks. Salt Dogs game, that's right. That's that's about it. Um, so, so I want to have Ryan on it. And, um, you know, who knows where we'll go with this thing. But the thing that's always fascinated uh, me about Ryan is is that he's been very open 
on social media about some of the the issues that go along with mental health that he's dealt with, that he's wrestled with through a period of his life. Um, This is becoming such a huge issue for a variety of reasons in the United States. I don't need to spell it all out to you. Um, it's in the news. We, we, we've got it so, with so many young people right now. And I think it would benefit us all just to seek to understand a little bit what goes along with this. And so uh, I, I wrote to Ryan a couple weeks ago, and I just said, hey, I, I know you've been open with this stuff. I don't know if you'd be willing to talk about it or something like this. I know probably that that's it's a little intimidation, maybe reluctance that goes along with this, but I know you've been open with it. And, and he said he was willing to do that. And so I welcome Everybody, the Jack Mitchell Podcast, Ryan Kronberg. Ryan, welcome. How are you doing, man? Good. How you doing? Thanks for having me on, Jack. Thanks I appreciate for, the opportunity. Yeah, you uh, did you you remember that Ferris wheel ride? Oh, huh? very much so. <laughs> funny, funny running into an old former Raider, member of Raider Nation. Exactly, so. exactly. And we've you know shared things over the years with follow, yep. following the basketball team. Exactly. We always I always turn on the live stream when they play Dort in the basketball because you gotta be the stupid Dort defenders. No offense, if as, any. As, as they always said, friends don't let friends go to Dort. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, well, look, why don't you just tell me generally some some stuff about yourself, kind of your your background, where yep. you're from, what Absolutely. what you do, and those sorts of things. So I was born in Omaha, grew up uh, all through high school, up through uh, high school in Stromsburg, Nebraska, a little town about twelve hundred people, about an hour northwest of here. So we just had our Swedish festival last weekend. Oh, nice! In the town celebrating its hundred fiftieth anniversary this okay. year. Okay, what do you need? What's the thing to get, like food wise, at the Swedish festival? Ustekaka and potato bologna. Okay, what are those? It's, so potato bologna is uh, potatoes and sausage in a casing. And it's kind of, it's like a little, it's, it's like, like a, a brat kind of, kind of a different version of a brat, Swedish version of a brat. Okay, I'm interested. I'm interested. It, it's you have it twice a year. You have it festival, and then it's a traditional staple dish at Christmas time. Okay. And the owner of our grocery store back home, he's a local guy. He'll make a lot of it. I'm not sure how much Mike <laughs> makes, but he makes. If he doesn't make like a thousand pounds worth of it minimum, <laughs> people drive from all over to go get. Okay, I gotta try that. Potato bologna. Okay. What was the other thing you said? Ustakaga. It's Swedish cheese pudding. Okay. And you put strawberries or lingonberries on it. Okay. And, oh. Cheese pudding. Yeah. Tastes like cheese. Yep. Tastes like che- it's Wait. a little you know not as tarty as like your right other kinds of cheese, but. You know, very vanilla. You know, it's made with. It's fr- Mom makes it. She gets milk from the dairy farm three miles outside of uh-huh, town. Uh-huh. And you know, let the curd or let the cream rise. Yeah. It's so rich. It's so fattening. <laughs> it is so good. Oh, I, I gotta like, try this. It's, I don't think I've ever been down. I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah, oh. it's every Father's Day weekend, third okay. weekend of every year. It's they just celebrated the seventieth annual festival, and okay, they do it over a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and over Father's Day weekend traditionally. So cool. So uh, what was like growing up in in Stromsburg like? It was like any other small town. You know, we, you know, we we knew everybody. I've known some of my best friends. I've known since we were knee high by the Fourth of July, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, went with the same kids all the way through school. I mean, I was homeschooled for a while, but. My buddies made sure I stayed in all the activities, you know, even mm-hmm. though I couldn't play sports, but, you know, mm-hmm. went to all the football games, basketball games. Summers, we spent playing pickup ball in Buckley Park. Yeah. We, summers through high school, we'd play every night. We'd get there at about 8 o'clock, 11 yeah. o'clock, the game was over. <laughs> Until you couldn't see anymore, right? Yeah. Well, we had the lights on. You had the lights. All right. Until you were falling asleep, I suppose. Well, there was a couple of nights where it got past 11, and then the, <laughs> the county... Our parents, they just knew what we were doing, but 
they figured we lost track of time, so they called the <laughs> ca- county, the county sheriff. sheriff to come check out what was going on with you. Just, just make sure nobody broke a leg or something. I feel like we're getting into Stranger Things territory or something. No, no, it was just a couple nights where we lost track of time, and <laughs> that's cool. That's... But you know, we would just play ball for hours on end. Yep. yep. So it's fortunate to be there. You know, Stromsburg is a great little town. Very. S- Faith, family oriented, well kept mm-hmm. yard, church on every corner, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was, my class, we won our first Stromsburg's first ever state championship in any anything when football won in '99. That was obviously being in Memorial Stadium as a 18 year old kid watching my buddies win state. That was very cool. Very cool. So yeah. then I went to Northwestern. I didn't I had an idea what I wanted to do, but not really, <laughs> and. I ended up getting, I was, I had done some freelance work for the York paper a little bit in high school. And I had also done some freelance, uh, for the, for the county paper in Stromsburg, covering, covering all my buddies playing basketball their mm-hmm. senior, senior year. Mm-hmm. And I got an email from, uh, a college, one of the advisors there saying they had a writing opening at the Northwest Sour Review newspaper in Sheldon. And I was Very thinking, familiar with that. Yes. Yeah, the regional weekly newspaper that's won every yeah. award that's yep. well known in Northwest Iowa. Basically, everyone reads the review in Northwest. If you live in the four counties of Northwest yes. Iowa, yes, the review is your go-to news yes. source. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, I got an email and I was talking to the guy in New York at the time. He's like, I was thinking about. It. I was like, oh, it's Friday because they publish on Saturday mornings. Mainly to get the Friday night sports in hot and fresh compared to all the other regional weeklies up in up in that part of the northwest Iowa there, and he, he t- I remember him emailing back to me. He's like, "You're an idiot if you turn this down." <laughs> so I emailed the editor, and he's like, "Yeah, come on in, give me a shot." And next thing you know, I'm working four years for the really worked, wow. worked four years there and and covering what uh, mostly high school sports, and yeah. then I dabbled. In, Couple times over college breaks or in the summer, I'd go up there for a week or two and dabble in some features and okay. kind of their artsy entertainment stuff, uh-huh. just helping out with whatever they needed. But it was mostly sports. But well, it's it's interesting. Got my foot in the door, basically. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because I did the newspaper when I was at Northwestern, and I was the eventually the editor in chief at the Beacon newspaper yeah. at Northwestern, and that's what I wanted to do. Like I want to do do um, either news writing or sports writing or something like that, but i i didn't I didn't really want to live in in Iowa at the time after I got <laughs> yeah. out of college, so I didn't end up doing that. But had the right the right thing came along, it might have been something different. So we kind of have yeah. that in common too. too. Yeah, and then it's kind of crazy. One of my old coworkers at the Review, he had taken the manage, he had taken the job at the as the editor at the Spirit Lake paper mm-hmm. that covers Okaboat Dickinson County, which is. For you, link for people in Lincoln, like Okoboji. right? So yes. I see a lot of Nebraska cars up there on the weekends, sure, and, you know, over the summer. But did I? Had, you know, things hadn't worked out academically. I had switched majors like five times in three years, and kind of had no idea what I wanted to do. Right? right. Not uncommon at that age. Yeah, I was in the same boat. Yeah, and I had the standing offer for, for basically two years. I finally took them up on it, saying, "Hey, let's do this." Yeah. So that started a 13-year career in journalism. 
did uh, my first almost three years in Okaboji and then uh, moved, uh, took a five day a week daily job in Charles City, Iowa, which uh, if you're heading north on 35 towards Minneapolis, yep. go to Mason City, hook a right, and, yep. or it's 45 miles straight north of Cedar Falls, okay. where the University of Northern Iowa is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a great opportunity for me. It's a town about the size of York mm-hmm. to, you know, to give people around here a comparison. Mm-hmm. And Learned a lot, had a great boss there, and we got along great. Gave me some, got my foot in the door and a lot of opportunities. Got to, the perk of being a five-day daily was we got sideline passes for University of Iowa, Iowa State, Northern oh. Iowa, football and basketball. Okay. And so when I wasn't busy covering a prep thing, I was at Kinnick or Jack Trice or in some of those years, it worked out perfectly because Iowa was playing a lot of 11 o'clock games in those years. And Northern Iowa would be playing at four, so I'd go do the whole thing in Iowa City all day. And then Cedar Falls was on the way back to Charles City. And I would uh, get there about mid-third quarter, but guys, you and I were just happy to see me. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. just happy for any coverage right. they get. Right, when all that's going on in the state with all the other big guys. When you're going up against the big dogs right. in Iowa and Iowa State, they're just happy for any local media to sh- other than the Cedar Water League Courier, which was always there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're just happy. And Charles City is a big northern Iowa town, being mm-hmm. only 45 minutes from Cedar Falls there. Mm-hmm. So I covered a lot of those things. You know, got to be part, cover a little bit of the Sweet 16 around northern Iowa basketball had. Nice. The, the Was that the, was that that was the, the Farokman-ish year? Was that was that? the Farokman. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> we had a kid who was committed at that time from Charles City, so we had to talk to him, and then there was another kid who was working in sports information, mm-hmm. and then I did a little, there was a kid from Spencer, Iowa, who's on, you know, reserve guard on the team, so I did a big piece for, you know, I was still buddies with the guys back in Northwest Iowa, so Dr. Brian did a piece for them, and, you know, did it pro bono, I didn't care, yeah. I'm just helping friends out, uh-huh. you know, good friends, and yeah. So did that until 2012, and by then my heart was kind of getting itchy, you know, what's the next step? Well, three jobs came open that summer, Creston, Iowa, Marshalltown, Iowa, Muscatine, Iowa, and I picked Muscatine because of some stuff that was going on in my life at the time, and it worked out best, and that was a six-day daily, you know, town about the size of Columbus, they're mm-hmm. 30 miles southwest of the Quad Cities, yep. right my on. My sister-in-law the- lived there for a while, yeah. Great town, but... Nine months in, it bombed. And so kind of backtracking here a little bit. I always had ADD, ADHD, whatever you want to call it, even back when I was growing up. And then one time it was in high school, I put a, I was like really depressed one night, put a belt around my neck, squeezed as hard as I could, just burst a few capillaries, but nothing came of it. Mm. But, you know, kind of brushed it off for the while. And then eventually my junior year in Orange City, I got in, this is, well, this is in between breaking two bones within a year there, get diagnosed with bipolar. And I brushed it off at the time because I was Mr. Socialite in Orange City. Mm-hmm. I was kind of the wannabe jock life of the party because mm. I ran with a lot of the athlete crowd sure. at the time. And that was the time when Northwestern was in the middle of its glory years in basketball. Yep. And I was also on the side while I was in Orange City there, beat writing for the Orange City paper, covering men's basketball and football. Got a trip to Branson out of the deal nice. for the 2003 National Championship run. Yep. With Which, uh, and it was kind of, you know, I'm 
probably going bunny trails here at this point. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> but no, that's I, why we a lot a long time for these. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a commercial coming up that. Has so to I got diag- stop. Yeah, you know, I got diagnosed with bipolar and brushed it off, self medicated. You know, I did what things people are in denial with those things. They self medicated in college. It was self medicating with substance, not with legal substances. I was mm-hmm. drinking quite a bit back in those days, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and. By the grace of God, I survived it, got to Okaboji, ironically, and basically quit drinking. Okay. <laughs> which, which, if you know anything about Okaboji, it's the summer party capital of the Midwest. Right, right. Not the best place to, to have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, you know, getting that job and, you know, channeled my, channeled my energy, you know, build a career here. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Luckily, I had a college, my college roommate my last two years, uh, farmed in Lake Park, between Harris and Lake Park, Iowa, which is about 30 miles straight west of Okaboji. And they went to church in Spirit Lake, got me connected with the free, ch- free church in Spirit Lake. And just so I'm the youth pastor, his, was, his dad was the basketball coach at Okaboji High School. So I got connected with them, got really plugged into the church and, Spiritually, it was getting my life really turned around. You know, I'd grown up in the church. My grandpa had been a pastor for 40, 50 years. He was in Stroudsburg for a while. His last pastor was the little, little old country church in Swedeburg, Nebraska, which is off old Highway 77 there. It's, if you're heading up north towards Wahoo there. Okay. It's, you know. So Lutheran, I presume, or no? Covenant. Covenant, okay. But we went Baptist yeah. for a while, most uh-huh. of the high school years. We went to the Baptist uh-huh. church back home in Stroudsburg. But I've always been one who's, I'm not p- one who's pinned down by any denomination. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. whatever I feel like God wants me to be at. And, you know, it's where I feel like I'm getting fed spiritually. Yeah. And just so I'm going to be in Spirit Lake. I was at the free church. Well, the youth pastor's dad was the basketball coach. So I was interacting with him a lot with the paper and found out he, him and his wife both grew up near Wayne, went to Wayne State, die, die in the wool, die hard. Husker fans. So we, of course, had nothing ever to talk about. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Spent many an afternoon and evening over at their house watching the latest fiasco with the football team or yeah. moaning about the demise of this would have been in the end of the Barry Collier era yep. of basketball. Yeah. End yep. of the Barry Collier era, start of the Doc Sadler era of Nebraska men's basketball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we we had nothing in common to talk about. <laughs> you know, became great friends, and they're st- still some of my closest friends to this day from that time in Okaboji. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, back fast forward back to the and uh, back to Northwestern one more time here. I got to be really good because I was beat writing for the basketball team. I got to be really good friends with uh, Chris Corver, who's the still the men's basketball coach yes. there. Yep. One of the best human beings alive. Mm-hmm. I can't say enough about Coach. Uh, Kyle's uncle, right? Yes, Kyle Kyle's Her- uncle. Kyle yeah. Herber's uncle. Yep. And my dad and Kyle's dad were buds because they were both RCA pastors. Yeah. So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Chris, you know, Coach, I, I can't call him by his first name ever. Coach, and, you know, I was going through a wayward time there in Orange City, really. We had a lot of... Yeah, we t- we do the 10, 15 minutes of obligatory. We got to chat about the game. Right. 
And then another half hour, 45 minutes talking about life. And mm-hmm. he's just a great Christian guy. I, I think the world of him. Yeah. Every time Northwestern's at Doan, Concordia, Midland, I, you know, depending on what we schedule and of course, Mother Nature. Cause right. winter. Yeah. And now that I'm no longer in full time journalism, I've been, I'm a complete chicken about driving in the, <laughs> driving in the snow and ice. Yeah. Right. So well, when Northwestern's in the neighborhood, I try to go. I know. I need to do that a little bit more. I need to get out there and cheer them on some. Go see coach. And yeah. Yeah. We always, I always make, we always meet up before the game and spend 15, 20 minutes just talking about life. That's introduce me sometime. I don't know. Yeah. Come on out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you left right before he, he got there. My fr- We both, yes. Corv and I both got there. My freshman year, yep. and you had just graduated the spring before. You were with the um, uh, Barry, Barry, yes, Todd Barry, Todd Barry, yep. yes, was the co- and yep. then he had left to go to Wayne State, mm-hmm. and that's what when Corv came in. They, they really got going then. And they were good when three, I was there, but yeah. three final fours in four years, and one shot from basically winning three three national championships in a row. Yeah, well, they couldn't get Nebraska past Nebraska Wesleyan when I was there. Yeah, uh, which that was when Nebraska Wesleyan was in its complete heyday. You know, with yeah, Kip Kissinger and Chad Idias and, and yeah, and, uh, uh, BJ Nannan and and a bunch of guys that I knew from you know growing up here. Um, so then, and then real quick, we'll get it back in, you know, we'll kind of go back over some stuff, but how did you end up back in Lincoln then? So, uh, so yeah, a few minutes, <laughs> so things in Muscatine didn't work out. I, I got let go there and took a job back in Northwest Iowa with the intent where things were going. I was trying to get back to Lincoln at that point. Just some things were going on in my life at that point. Um, didn't work out. And Memorial Day weekend of 2013, some stuff that had been building mentally for a long time came to a head. And just, I saw my world collapsing with the job and some other things that were very important to me in my, you know, I'm early 30s. I'm trying to figure life out, mm-hmm. having a kind of an early stage midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen all my buddies get married. I was kind of wanting some of those same things. All my buddies are starting to have kids and. Just things collapsed on Memorial Day Sunday of 2013 at Northwest Lincoln. And next thing you know, I'm in Bryan West with six stab wounds. Self-inflicted. So I spent two days in the ICU. It's only by the grace of God that I was aiming for my heart and I missed. Mm. Ended up puncturing my left, or my left lung here. Spent two days in ICU getting that all done, and then four days in the Brian West psych ward, recovering from all that and getting on the medication and all that. Went back to Northwest Iowa that summer, basically went into hiding because I was just dealing with the trauma of a lot of, you know, my suicide attempt and getting used to medication. And that didn't go well for a while there. Mm-hmm. Had a little episode, I've never really told this to anyone, that had a little episode. Where my brother and my coworker were really concerned about me, and they wanted to take me to a. This is, and this is where I really get passionate about this kind of stuff. They took me to the hospital in Sioux Center. I was living in Hull, Iowa, which is just northwest of Orange City, there, up in Sioux County. And my brother and my coworker, they were freaked out. I was, I was having a bad episode. I was still getting used to all the medicine and costs, and when you're working in a small newspaper and with no health insurance, sure, it's coming straight out of pocket. And those meds are not; those meds are prohibitively expensive. Right, right. So, and they had wanted to take me overnight 
to a mental health facility, but the problem was they called Cherokee, which was a state-run facility. They called Sioux City. They called Sioux Falls. No beds available. So, and finally, they're like, okay, we'll release you to your brother, but you go straight home and go to bed. And that's what I did. And by the next morning, I was calmed down a lot. So that was the summer of 13, basically cooped up in Northwest Iowa because I was trying to get my life put back together. And by that fall, my old job, the guy that replaced me had left for in Charles City, had left for another job. My old boss comes calling and says, hey, would you come back? Mm-hmm. So I went back to Charles City for another 16 months. And he did what I needed to do there. Healed mentally a lot of ways. Was around a network. I had a lot of great, still have a lot of great friends in Charles City, Iowa. And people that have my back, they listen to me whine and cry. And listen to all my dra- Johnny drama. <laughs> Johnny drama, if you know where I'm going with that. <laughs> From uh, that old show on HBO. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway. And then I kind of was bouncing around there trying to figure out what I wanted to do and went back to North, went back to the review full time, did that for about 14 months. And then I ended up in Creston, Iowa, Southwest Iowa, Creston, which is about three hours due east of Lincoln here on highway 34. And, and by then I had been wanting pretty hard to get back to Nebraska or get to a bigger city, mm-hmm. whether it was Des Moines, Omaha, Kansas city or Lincoln. And there was the fall of 2016, and it had been a really tough summer because I had seen four, either four people I knew or recovered all die within like six weeks. It was like every time I turned around that summer, someone I knew was dying. And the last one, it was the night before the first football game of the first Iowa high school football game of that 16th season. An old buddy of mine from the Waterloo Courier, Jimmy Sullivan, had a heart attack and passed away, put the Thursday night paper to bed. And he's basically my dad's age. And that was, that was a kick in the nuts. Mm-hmm. I was a wake up call saying, you need to get, kind of get home. Mm-hmm. My dad was in great health. He still is in great health. I don't want to, my brother, my brother was living in Kansas. It just moved to Kansas city. Him and his wife were expecting their first one roughly in that time frame. So I was going to be an uncle and want to be uncle Ryan. And, Spoil a few kids and, you know, want to get back to mom and dad. So that fall, I tried, there was a couple of openings at the Journal Star at the time and just didn't work out that I didn't get those jobs. Not for lack of trying, but, you know, I put it in for them. Mm-hmm. And then the next summer comes around and I tried to get into the huddle a couple of different times and didn't work out. I was, but the paper knew I was looking. It word, you know, small town Iowa, word gets around. Sure. And so they quote unquote fired me, but agreed to pay out my vacation. It was very, it was, it was as amicable of a divorce as you could have. Gotcha. You know, they paid for a moving truck for me to get all my, cause they knew I was, mm-hmm. and by then I decided I, I had given an honest effort in Omaha and Kansas city and even, even in Des Moines and nothing worked out, but the doors were starting to kind of open in Lincoln. So, you know, they paid for a moving truck, paid out my vacation and all that, but just didn't want me working, which I understood. And they knew my heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but in the meanwhile, while I'm still trying to find a job living in Iowa, trying to get back to Nebraska, the place I was living out in Iowa was getting renovated, so I had to get out. So meanwhile, so now I'm a double statistic, double negative statistic. I'm unemployed and homeless. Living in a van down by the river. 
<laughs> shall we say. <laughs> so, but, you know, and God, God was good to me that year. I found a place right when I was getting to my wits end. I was like, what do I do? I mean, at the point where I've got to get a place to live and a job sure. real quick. So I'm getting towards the end of my unemployment benefits in Iowa. Right. It's either that or I go find some set newspaper job somewhere. And by that point, I had decided my days in journalism were done. Okay. I was at peace with it. Okay. I had basically done everything I've wanted. You know, because of the perks when I was living in Charles City, I got to cover a football game at Memorial Stadium. So I got to live out a boyhood dream of being on the sidelines for a game at Memorial Stadium. Right. It was the Iowa game, 2010. It was gray, ugly, tracky day. Yeah. It was not a good game that yeah, day. Nebraska yeah. won, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was not the uh, most exciting of football. Yeah. But I got to live out a dream that right. day. You felt like you checked some things off the bucket list yeah. with what you had done. Yeah, with covering all. You know, I, you know, I was at the Iowa-Penn State game in 2008 when I, when Dan Murray kicked the field goal to end Joe Pa's last run at the national championship. Oh, yeah. I was in Jack Trice uh, in 2011. In the triple overtime game against Oklahoma State, State yeah. that uh, ended the BCS as we know it. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. That pretty much got us to finally. That was finally the impetus to get to the playoff system because Iowa State upset then third ranked Oklahoma uh, Brandon Whedon and uh, I think it was uh, the Cowboys. Dez, Dez Bryant. I think Dez was playing for Oklahoma State That's that right. year. Yeah. Yeah, and then in 2008, in the middle of a blizzard, if the game's played outside, it's a seven-three slot. Slugfest, right, right? But they were playing because because you and I plays in the inside in the Uni Dome, mm-hmm. seventy two and perfect in the dome. <laughs> yeah, right. Me and my old coworker at the time, we drive his SUV. It takes us an hour and a half to get there, another two hours getting home because it's a foot. Everything's getting canceled except mm-hmm. for the football game. Mm-hmm. Northern I was playing Delaware second round of the playoffs that year. It was two thousand seven. It was two thousand seven. Excuse me. It was my first year in Charles City, and. That was the year you and I had been ranked number one all season. That was they figured that was their year to go win the national championship. Eric Sanders was the quarterback. They had won their first game on a, just a miraculous catch, catch it through his dreadlocks in the first round. I still have a picture of it <laughs> of the winning touchdown pass with thirty seconds to go in the first game. Next game they played Delaware, and people might recognize this name who the quarterback of that Delaware team was. Was it Flacco? Joe Flacco. Got it. <laughs> you and I. Could, I don't know any other Delaware alum, so that had to be the one. That, yeah, you and I, bless their hearts, just could not get him. Every time they had third and seven, third day, Flacco yeah. made a play that day. Just it was a forty-one thirty-eight game in the dome that day. Yeah. You know that was a wild game in the dome, and uh-huh. you know, I got to say, I got to see a Super Bowl winning quarterback in college. That's true. Got to cover David Johnson, the running back, yep. a bunch when he was at Northern Iowa. Yeah, some good guys come through there during. They've the had some great. You know, I got to cover in my second stint in Charles City. I got to cover the basketball team, you and I, and they had won. It broke my heart because they were on a year where they were going to go win, going to the turn. They're going to win the they end up winning the Valley that year, but I left mid season. Just mm-hmm. nature of jobs coming open, and sometimes you have to kind of. But I, it worked out. I had gotten my vacation paid. <laughs> I found out. I go to the bank one night and see my balance is like three times as high as normal. And it's like, oh, yeah, they cashed out my vacation <laughs> in Charles City right after I left. Yeah. They paid me for my full vacation. Right. That you had to use. Yeah. So it worked out. At the last minute, literally at the last minute, like 11 o'clock the night before the game, drive from Sheldon, Iowa to St. Louis for the 
for Arch Madness for the championship game. Drive through the night. And, oh, by the way, it's time change tonight, so we can get less hour less driving to St. Louis. Go to the game, hang out with the buddy after the game, drive back to Northwest Iowa, get back at 5 in the morning. Oh, my gosh. And I hadn't been slept since 7 o'clock that Saturday morning. Jeez. One of those, I would never do it now, yeah. being older. and But yeah, one of those, those wanted to go cover, because you know, I'd been around that team a lot. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so to get back to Mellow Health... It's just something I've always been very passionate. Ever since what happened in 2013, thanks. I, I mean, I owe my life to the staff and uh, and medical people over at Brian West, who did. It wasn't for the grace of God and their hard work, I wouldn't be alive. Let me let me ask you. Let, let me go back to when you were. You said you were originally diagnosed when you were in college. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you know something was going on? How did that even come about exactly? I had been kind of diagnosed off and on ADHD. Hypermania. It's 2003. Nobody understood it. At the right. Time. Yeah. It was and, different and, even then. Yeah. And you know, the doc wanted to put me on drug on different medicines, and but one of the side effects was you no know, drinking, and me being stupid in 21, 22 at the time mm-hmm. was like two fingers salute that. <laughs> I was the life of the party. I had a reputation to keep right. up. Right. So I was. So I self medicated for the better part of a decade. I drank myself through college. Ate my way. Out of college, after college, ate myself 350 pounds. Yeah. Got really big into extra after being in two weddings. Summer 2008, saw the pictures and like, this has got to change. Yeah. Lost half my body weight with over the next three years. Wow! By 2000, by the time I cut to my class reunion in 2010, I was half size. Yeah. And yeah, that's something that I, I I need. I've been trying to figure out. Too. I need to get back that way. I, Don't I, get me wrong. How, how did you do it? Self-discipline. Just, just eating, exercising? Eating, you know, I, I got into the point, I got into a routine where the apartment complex I was living in, Charles City, I walked like two blocks out and then I had a big, It was, basically it was the streets that went around the middle school, went like a, it turned into like a mile loop. Mm-hmm. And I started walking it, then, you know, gradually upping the pace, started walking, walked jog right walk jog okay, yeah eventually started running the whole thing you know running the whole yeah you know i'm actually eating salad and yogurt instead of down instead of doing the cheap journalism diet which is yeah. a lot of casey's cheeseburgers and yeah well and I, donuts and everything uh, that's something i think about too i've i've lost uh, i've lost 40 pounds three times in my life and i've gained it and more and i'm at i'm at a spot now where i hate it yeah i, I mean well, i hate it and uh Man, I think about and you know what it's interesting just for me is I think about it constantly. It's I, I sometimes wonder, like, do, and I think constantly about what people are thinking constantly. Yeah. Um, and I see pictures the same way. Um, and and I it's like I just want to say to everybody, it's like I know, <laughs> yeah, like I know. Oh, yeah. For me, and this is just of me a chance to say something that I think about a lot that I would never have a chance to do. And it's man, I uh, I struck it, and it's what really sucks is when you're able to do it, and and then it comes back and it comes back worse. And it's like, yeah, oh man, that's like maybe for me after 13. Well, you know, some of the side effects of the medication is, and don't get me wrong, the medication is good for me mm-hmm. because it keeps the highs from getting too out of control. But it controls the lows. You know, it, the middle ground is, it's never going to happen. Mm. But we're just trying to 
moderate the extremes with mm-hmm. medication. Mm-hmm. But some of the side effects is weight gain and increased appetite and drowsiness. Mm-hmm. Sure. So sometimes I have a hard time, especially if I'm not getting good sleep, I have a hard time staying awake. Middle, you know, I've had some struggles with that this spring. Even Sunday afternoon, I'm at the World Series in Omaha. It's about typical one one thirty, and I, you know, second inning of the very warm, <laughs> hundred and some odd degrees yeah. in the left field corner at, T- at the Schwab, and I'm sitting there. I've already had a coke and a hot dog, and it's nappy time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fight- I'm fighting myself just not to. I get there too. Yep. Yeah, uh, mid afternoon right after lunch, you kind of get that. Then I get that. I've I've got it. I've got an addiction to the post lunch close your eyes for 15 minutes which is not always great no for me it's um, but not it's, good i have that i have that too but t- um so i i mean i think people are more familiar now you know especially than they were in 2003 especially when you talk about depression and anxiety yeah is that uh, tell me how uh, are those things different than what you deal with is that part of it when it comes to your diagnosis that's part of it Okay. I'm the double whammy is I'm diabetes with bipolar and high-functioning anxiety and depression. I've got the triple whammy. I've got them all. Okay. What, is that, what does that mean? What, what does that look like for you as you've dealt with it, it means when it I, was bad and, and when, it, when it's good? When it's bad? I've gotten to the point where I will never go down the road I went in 2013 where I will not harm myself. Don't get me wrong. There's There's a... There was a blog out there where I saw one time, you have the thoughts of you want to kill yourself. You want to live, but you want to die at the same time. It's just your mind just wants to get rid of the pain. You're just hurting whatever's going on inside your head. You know you want to live. You know you got a lot to live for. And I know that. I know I've got a lot to live for. You know, family, friends, different things. Experience, still living life. But you get to a place mentally... It's just the thoughts and the frustrations, the hurts, the hang-ups. You just, you just wish it would go away, whatever way that looks like. You know, sometimes, yeah, like this blog once said, you want to live, but you want to die at the same time. Hmm. It's, it's not a fun place to be. And, I mean, what was there something? You know that that specific incident that happened was that was that different? Did something different set it off? Was it life circumstances? You know, it's just it's been some different circumstances. You know, different things that have gone on. Um, you know, different things have happened. You know, losing, you know, getting fired twice in five years didn't help. Things different. You know, living situations in town that didn't eventually did not work out for whatever reasons. You know, I originally, I, we talked about this off air a little bit, I'll inform the listeners here. So I never did officially graduate from Northwestern, so one of, the th- one of my goals here, after getting out of journalism, and I kicked the tires around this for years, finally the winter and spring of 13 was having some conversations with, with a very dear friend of mine, and it was kind of finally the kick in the you-know-what to mm-hmm. get back to school. So I started exploring different things, and had applied to... Worked my way. He took me twice. Bless our hearts. The professors there were sweethearts, especially my physiology professor, Stacy Wheeler at Southeast. God bless her. She's an angel who worked, helped me to get a C plus in physiology, which, and then the next fall, I got a B plus in anatomy to get into the physical therapy assistant program at Southeast. And I tried that. And just a variety of things happened at the end of last summer. Yeah. 
I gave it an honest effort. It just didn't work out. It wasn't meant to, you know, just life was going on, different things. And I had gone through, it had been a wild year. My old car crapped out. Yeah. <laughs> had to get a new one. Three weeks later, the engine block on that blows. Uh. And it was in the middle of moving. And then the new situation didn't work out. It was It was all my fault. You know, things I didn't do right, didn't handle some situations real well. And I apologize for that. Um, trying to get myself to a spot where I could get through school and everything and trying to juggle work and school full time right? and the demands of the physical therapy yeah. assistant program at Southeast, which is, it's a great program. I will say nothing bad about it. Ian and Ian and Bridget, Ian Thompson, Bridget Clark, are two amazing professors at Southeast, but I just, I, I wasn't, it wasn't able to work mm-hmm. and it was really hard. You know, because I had set this goal in mind to want to get to that place. You know, I could be a good, you know, BPTA in town or here in southeast Nebraska or eventually, you know, like start out in Seward or Wahoo or Crete and work my way back into Lincoln. And then work out, and that was, that was frustrating. I always had psychology as a backup plan, so then now I'm having to spend all this time and effort and energy. You know, I was talking to my therapist, and she suggested Bellevue, so I ended up getting... It was between Bellevue and the university, and just so happened it worked out that Bellevue had the right fit for what I needed for the program. Mm-hmm. So then I'm getting all that set up, getting financial aid and all those ducks lined up, mm-hmm. getting over to Bellevue. So I started in that program in January in behavioral science, and my end goal here, because they have a counseling program, I'll Hopefully, I'm willing to transfer right into that and get my master's in clinical counseling. But and then go into actually doing counseling, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's my. You know, I've always known since since my crisis in thirteen, sports was fun, but the way journalism was trending and you know the big places cutting jobs left. We're nothing. seeing it right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's all changing right now. You know, the Journal, yeah. the World Herald, they were cutting jobs. So I'm seeing that window pretty much being not. Just slowly closing, it was being... Right. God was telling me, no, you're yeah. done. Interesting. So you... you, you I read the tea leaves the on the wall in, in 17. I was reading the... You know, from 14, 15 on, I had kind of been reading the tea leaves, where things were going, and... It's interesting when you talk about the PT thing and how it ended, I can tell it's still... There's still some... I mean, there's still something there emotionally and, and painful yeah. for you, but that was... It, it, it was... You, you dealt with it differently. You... You made it through that in a different way yeah. when you were in another portion of your life and a lot of doors were closed, right? Yeah. yeah. Why was that? I think just the life experiences I've been through. I knew I couldn't go down certain roads mentally. You know, I couldn't let it overwhelm me to the level I got to, you know. I had, Can I you le- control that? To an, ex- to an extent, yes. With medication, I'm on a, I have a psychiatrist over on the south side of town here. We, we meet you know, once every two, three months. So the medicine helps, and I've got to stay on that. It's just something I have to take every day. It's got something I'm going to have to take every day the rest how does of my it change life. How, you, how, how does it change how you feel? I mean, you can feel it, right? Oh, I can totally tell. If if I'm not on my meds... You can tell. Boom. Like yesterday, I was a little... I had taken it Sunday morning before church and before going to the World Series game up in Omaha, and I thought about taking it before bed Monday night, and I was, because one med I have to take, I have to take with some food. I have to have solid food to go with it. It's mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. if I drink something, it'll water it down and gotcha. won't make it as effective. 
So and I'm not one who particularly is a huge breakfast fan. Mm-hmm. No offense to the Swedish pancakes that I have once a year back home in Stroudsburg. <laughs> I have those once. I have Swedish pancakes once once a year, maybe twice if Mom makes them over Christmas. <laughs> but no, so and I hadn't taken my night med the night before to help that kind of helps calm me down through the night, helps me sleep consistently. You know, really wears me down at night, so I can mm-hmm. get a good solid seven eight hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had taken it Sunday night or Monday morning, and by Monday after, by yesterday afternoon at five thirty, I'm feeling a little skittish. I you wasn't. Could tell. I could tell. I was. So it's just one of those things I've got to make sure I'm being consistent with it. You either take it right before you go to bed, you know, take the morning pill, either right before bed or first thing when I get up, mm-hmm. and then make sure I'm. You know, the other one that kind of knocks me can keep the highs and the lows from getting too badonka donk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, you know, I take one of those in the morning and then one to two at night. So, let, let me ask you this question: the the part of it that is, that is or is like depression, and and it just seems like there there is so there are so many people, either publicly or knowingly, going through that, and that's one part of part of this. Yep. But for people who don't know what that means, or they hear the word or haven't experienced it. Can you describe what that feels like? What that experience is? It's just like it's like a big, heavy thing. If you've ever seen the pictures of the fog in London, or if people remember the spring of eight, the spring of nineteen, right before the floods, when we had the heavy fog there in Lincoln here that week before everything we let loose up up out state, it's like being in your own head, and you can. I can't see the microphone that I'm talking to you in. I can't see it. That's how thick the fog gets mentally. You just you can't see anything. You get stuck with whatever thoughts going on. You know, there's hopes, hopes and dreams crashed. Or you know, you see, and I'm guilty of this really bad. That thief is the joy of comparison. I'm really guilty of it. Yeah. You know, all my buddies. I, I agree. I agree with that. That's something I've I've I fight struggled it. with too. Yeah, I fight yeah. it. You know, all my buddies get married, having kids, and. Wondering yeah. when it's going to happen for me. Yeah. No. And, and feeling like there have been some opportunities, and oh, you know, way in the distant past. I'm in, I'm I'm at peace with things from you know six, five, six, seven years ago. You know, just the way those things didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But it's still hard at times. You know, you see, you know, I get guilty of looking on Facebook and Twitter and seeing everybody's highlight reels. Yeah. And I'm one of the few people on. I'm, I feel like I'm one of the few people on social that I don't hide anything. If you follow me on my Facebook, well, I mean, follow this is me why on Twitter, I felt comfortable asking you. On yeah. Twitter, I'm going to share it all. Yeah. I don't give a rat's, you yeah. know what, what anybody thinks. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be open. And I'm going to be honest. How do you, I, I mean, I, I am sometimes dominated. My, my thoughts are dominated by comparison by comparing by by for me and I think I even talked about this when we were talking about the weight thing a little bit um I get obsessed being driven by what other people are thinking of me. Now I don't know if that's the same thing that you're talking about. Not really. But, you know, but, it's more I get obsessed with, you know, I see people either per, you know, it's hard for me. It's, something I really struggle with is I know people have broken stuff. There, there's some mess in their lives, but they don't 
go out and spew it all over the world. Don't, they don't post it on Facebook. <laughs> they don't, they don't right. share it on Twitter or Instagram. Right. And I, I know what's going out there, but my mind tricks me tricks me into thinking, oh, they've got the perfect life. They got the great, they got a great job. They got a great house. They got great kids. You know, I have to remember myself when I was growing up a teacher. I was a brat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel admit I was. I'm a dad. I love you. I'm sorry. I was horrible for mm-hmm. way too many years. Yeah, I love my parents. You know, we've patched things up over the years, obviously. But I was a flat brat for a long time. Yeah. I was that typical old child went through the whole rebellious phase and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did a lot of really dumb, stupid things that I wish I had back. Luckily, nothing ever was ever illegal or killed. You know, put me in the hospital. Luckily, I've only been in the hospital three times. Twice in Northwestern, once with my medical attempt. You'll appreciate this story. Sidetrack here. That's fine. So I was playing basketball. Second week back, my junior year, the year we won, the year Northwestern won the national championship. Mm-hmm. And they would play pickup games in the Bol- in the main gym, Bolton yeah. Center at Northwestern College. Having we always had to play in the RSC, by the way. We never got to do it in the Bowman Center. Because it was Tuesday-Thursday staff games. Oh, gotcha. It was the Tuesday-Thursday gotcha. staff games from noon to one. Gotcha. With staff and students. Mm-hmm. You know, it was most, mostly staff, but if, you, mm-hmm. if we didn't have class or we'd get away with going to, taking late lunch. Yeah. Playing, you know, and, of course, Murphy's Law comes into full effect here. Having the day of my life. You know, I was known more for the junkyard dog, just play good hard defense, go up, grab rebounds, <laughs> right. be, a, be a pest. You're being Rodman. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I was being a, being, a, being a 5'11 version of Rodman. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that day I'm hitting every jump shot, I'm catching every pass in stride, throwing it up and in. And then it's the last it's the last game of the day. Somebody steals it, goes in on a breakaway, and it's being Fat Man's ball. No one plays defense. Good. Yeah, right. No, no one goes back on a breakaway other than other than the one person to go get the ball and then throw it back to half court. Right. Because it's Fat Man's ball. <laughs> it's Fat Man's street ball. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll never forget that I had started to jog jog down, but someone had beat me down the court to go get the ball. Uh-huh. And I turn around, and he, I didn't see it, but the pass had already been thrown towards me, and I hear, ball, ball, ball. I turned around, and it was the pastor of Trinity Reformed Church. Bless his heart, Pastor John. I love you dearly. <laughs> I will never blame you for this. <laughs> pastor John Opkin North at Trinity Reformed Church in North City at the time. And I push off on my right leg, and I never don't. Nobody dives when you're playing pickup ball. Right, and right. When you're, you got a bunch of 40-year-olds, right. nobody dives. Right. I push off on my right leg, and I go down to the clump of heap, land on my hip, Thinking I've dislocated my hip, and they roll me over and pull my leg apart. And short of it is basically what it, time I got to the you know we call the ambulance blah 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 bumpy the bumpy ride down Albany Avenue you remember Albany Avenue back yep. in the day bump bump yeah. <laughs> and I have no there's no morphine for me so those poor EMT techs I'm just screaming bloody murder oh, to. Gosh. We get to the hospital, found out I have a nine bone cyst in my right leg, middle of my leg. Oh. And it had spiral fracture from my knee to my hip. Oh, so there was a cause. Okay. So there was a cause. They sat, the people, they were at a class, there's a classroom right off the Boltman Center floor there, if you remember right. Mm hmm. They heard it and thought a gunshot had went off in the Bullmans. Oh, no. <laughs> the same, they had heard the same thing in the coaches' offices, which were just on the other side right. of the gym there. Yeah, I remember. 
Yeah. They said it was like a gunshot that went off when my leg broke. When my, it exploded, basically. Uh-huh. And it just so happened to be the orthopedic surgeon. He was there that day. Took, a look, took one look at the x-ray and said, you've got two options. Sioux City or Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. To have emergency reconstruction. Oddly enough, those are my two options to go on a date with my now wife, too. <laughs> that's a, yeah, those like, are my first and second dates with her. Yeah. At the hospital. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's your options in Northwest Iowa, because Sioux City and Sioux Falls are the closest major cities. Right. right. And I picked Sioux City because it was closer from mom, to, instead of making them drive another hour and a half to Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. Just have them come to Sioux City. And mom still remembers this phone call to this day. I've she was working at school, but I didn't know the school phone number, so I'm calling, trying to find random numbers of my buddies back in Stroudsburg. Oh, my gosh. Trying to find them and look in the phone book or get it for you. Wow. Or call their parents. Yeah. Call their parents back in Stroudsburg to get a hold of my... You know, we're playing six-way phone tag in the days before cell phones were predominantly common. Right. And by that point, they finally got me loaded up with morphine. And I call mom and say, Mom, I broke my leg. She's like, What? I really broke my leg. <laughs> and then we hand it off to the doctor and be doctors. like, uh, we're taking him in the ambulance to Sioux City right now. Oh, my gosh. So I spent four days in Mercy Hospital in downtown Sioux City. And I should have forced, I should have stayed a week. You'll appreciate this. Um, we'll get back to the topic here in a minute. You'll appreciate this. So this is Northwestern and Sioux Falls mm-hmm. in their heyday. University of Sioux Falls. Yep. When Sioux Falls was still on AI. Dort was a cute, friendly little neighborhood rivalry. Sioux Falls. Yeah. We wanted to kill them. Yeah. We wanted to beat them by 100. We, we could beat them by 100, and that still wasn't enough. It just so happened, to, and I was at this point, I was doing the home, I was running the video camera for all the home basketball games. I've been doing that since my freshman year. You know, it would have been one thing if they were playing Doan, West End. Some team Northwestern would have killed that year by 30, because that's how good Northwestern was that year in their, in their heyday. But guess who we're playing? Sioux Falls. <laughs> I told those doctors, I said, we're leaving Saturday morning and I don't care what I have to do. <laughs> I forced my rehab. <laughs> yeah. And then well, mom wanted to come help me out. Mom, mom and my brother wanted to come up and just help me get used to things. So Saturday, the weather was good for relatively, it was clear 30 degrees for January. So, so busted out of the hospital at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock and back to Orange City on my crutches, hobbled <laughs> My way up the steps there in the Bolton Center to the south, or yeah, it'd be the northeast corner there where the video camera was in those days. Right, right. And videotaped the basketball game. And made it. You know, it's cr- it's crazy to hear that story. I also spent a week in that hospital in Sioux City in January in 1997. Oh, my. I went, um, it was my freshman, uh, January, my freshman year of college, and we went to Sioux City Healing because there was a wrestling meet there, and I had some yeah. friends from high school who were still, yeah. who were younger than me, and we left that night and uh, from Sioux City Healing. We weren't doing anything, anything bad, but there was uh, a woman. Uh, I was crossing, and she ran a stop stop sign, and the girl who was a friend of mine and I got just nailed. Oh no! I'm so um, sorry. Oh. I'm fine now. Well, I still don't have a feeling in my calf, but <laughs> make that same. My my mom got the same call, not the exact same call, but call your son's uh, going to the hospital in Sioux City. You need to come up here right yeah. away. So what a weird combination! It's it was the first, only Super Bowl in my life I haven't watched live because I was out and I was. You're all. It was it was very serious at the time. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm fine now, but yeah. uh, but I had to have my cousin bring up a, a v- VHS tape of the Packers Patriots Super Bowl because 
I didn't know what happened. And so he popped it in, and on like the Wednesday afterwards, I watched Desmond Howard and, and Drew Bledsoe and, and those guys in, yeah. in that Super Bowl that year. So I watched the Super Bowl from that from that same hospital. L- let me. I want to. I want to say know we this. sorry to go for no. I, there. I don't. I don't mind it. Um, when you, is you're open on social media and you talk to people, I'm curious what things people who haven't gone through this or don't know about it what they say to you and what they say to you that's helpful and what they say to you that maybe isn't so helpful and how we can you know when we when when we talk about this to to people how we can do it better for the most part most people are pretty supportive and uh, you know some people have been like well you just need to control your thoughts better you need to take care of the bible verse that says take care of every thought yeah i love people that tell me that i want to kill them when they say that it's not that it's not that you have weak faith it's not that I have weak faith. I've been in church all my life. I feel like I have... I mean, my faith's gone through the ebbs and flows of life. You know, you have your great seasons, you have your down seasons. Mm-hmm. You try to do that, but with that's just the thing about the animal that is bipolar and depression. You can try to take captive every thought, and that's still be depressed all to get out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a bloody war, and I'm going to fight it every day until I die. You know, most people are very supportive. You know, when once they get to know me a little bit and read, you know, get to hear my background, they're very supportive. But there, you know, there's that segment that still is kind of skeptical, and that's what I'm trying to educate. It's like I try, I can control my thoughts all I want all day, and I'm still going to have those days where I'm stuck in a rut, mm-hmm. where I just can't get out of my own way. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't see the fog two feet in front of this microphone. Mm-hmm. You know, my hand three inches in front of my nose. That's just how depression works. And bipolar and the, it's, it's natural chemical imbalances within my brain. They've checked all that stuff out. You know, it's just my chemical levels. In it's my physiological. Brain. It's, phys- it's, phys- it's, phys- it's physiology. Yeah. Which is why I find, th- bless, bless your heart, Stacey, I loved your class. <laughs> Even though I had to work my butt off to get a C plus in that class. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it was learning my brain. It was really good to learn brain chemistry and all the endorphins and hormones that control it. And that's why I have to be on medication. Does it help you to think of it that way? To really, I mean, really realize the science of it? Yeah. That was, and that was what was so great about going through the stuff at Southeast. You know, yeah, I'm learning about what I was hoping for a future trade. But I'm learning about myself, how my own brain works, mm-hmm. how my own, you know, functions, you know, Seeing you know, if I mess with this chemical a little bit, holy crap, I can really mess with my, I can mess with me physically and mentally. You know, I got, and I've, I've really been, I've been horrible about this last few years. I need to watch what I eat better. I need to do a better job of exercising. I've struggled mm-hmm. with fighting the weight gains and all that. And yeah. I know that's something I can do better at. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just, you know, people, some people mean well when they try to tell you, Oh, just be happy. Just be happy. You can. You can just. If that switch was so easy to turn on, I would keep it permanently locked right. on. I'd be like my buddy Bobby Clubberdance back in Charles City, Iowa. Bless his heart, he's the most happy-go-lucky person I ever know. Always has a good word for me. I wish I could be that way all the time. I'm just not. It's just not the way I'm wired. You know, mm-hmm. I. Right now, I'm probably having what you consider probably a pretty good manic high. Mm-hmm. Talk to me in twelve hours, I could be. Mm-hmm. Eeyore, the, I could be having an Eeyore walking around with my really? head. It'll be that different. It'll be that different. Just ha- I would be able to tell just right next to you. You would be you would be able to tell. Like if you had seen me four months ago, if 
five or six months ago. This last winter when I was going and going through a really, or even back between uh, Easter and Memorial Day, I was just, I was afraid of this. Ha- I had this, I had a similar experience back in 2018. I had taken a weekend, went down to, I left town, went to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas of all places. I preface this by saying I'm a huge Cardinals football fan. I hate the Cowboys more than I hate life. It's more than I like breathing <laughs> some days. And just so happens to be Globe Life, then their old ballpark, the Rangers' old right. ballpark is across the parking lot from Jerry World. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, Dallas isn't exactly one of my favorite towns in the world to begin with because I hate the Cowboys. Well, they got an interstate that runs right through the middle of downtown. Who plans a city that way? Exactly. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> the nice thing is that said interstate leads to eventually Highway 81 at York, which makes it a straight shot to mm-hmm. Dallas. Mm-hmm. And that was just so happened to be the I had to get out of town for some some reasons that weekend that I won't uh, I won't disclose but I, it was just best for me to be out of town that weekend, and that was the weekend it was like twenty five degrees up here everything north of high Interstate forty was getting called off because of snow oh. the twins got snowed out that weekend at Target Field mm-hmm. you know I thought about oh I'll go to Minneapolis three the whole White Sox series against the Twins at Target was snowed out. Yep. Whereas the Metrodome when we needed it. Right. (laughs) Right, exactly. No, it just so happened to be the the only sporting options were in in Arlington, basically, that weekend with the Blue Jays and the Rangers. Mm -hmm. I come back, I'm feeling okay. Next thing you know, it's Memorial Day, and I'm just, you know, mental funk. And unfortunately, this funk mirrored that one a little too closely. You know, it was just one of those things where I just couldn't get out of my own way for six weeks. Mm-hmm. I'd try everything. I'd go for walks. I'd go to baseball games. I'd have moments where I'd feel okay, mm-hmm. but they were a little too fleeting. But it just, it was a persistent, and it finally broke. It feels like it broke around Memorial Day weekend again, ironically enough. But it's just those times where you just get in those progressive funks, and you just have to grind and battle. Yeah. And it's it's no fun. But so, so the medication doesn't solve everything. Medication doesn't solve it. It limits the extremes okay. from getting to, uh, I want to run around, I want to go buy mm-hmm. everything inside, or I want to go run a marathon right. tonight yet. Mm-hmm. You know, get, for me, get into that phase where, oh, let's see, I can go run the Lincoln Marathon route in the next five hours. Mm-hmm. Or the lows where I want to put a shotgun in my mouth and end it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it limits the deep lows where you just feel like you're hopeless right. and there's nothing left to live. And I know that's a lie. I know it's a lie. I have to fight my own brain. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot to live for. I got three young nephews and a niece, and my folks are still in great health, and a lot of supportive friends and family in all the different places. I've let you know, I've mm-hmm. got friends back in Okaboji I want to go see, and they're mm-hmm. having kids. And you seem like you have a big. You have a lot of friends. It seems like. I mean, yeah. I just, I'm just from yeah, very talking s- you on social media, like close, meaningful relationships. I have a lot of friends, but I also uh, it's it, it's true in a sense, yes. But I also I keep my inner circle right, and I get that. Yeah, I keep my inner circle really hardcore tight. Right, right. There are some things that I will only discuss with three or four people that I know. One of them being my old pastor, who's now the uh, just got elected head of the. Uh, district for the christian missionary alliance here he was my pastor in iowa ironically took a job in omaha bless his heart i'm hey. taking him to his first game at memorial stadium 
Hey, that worked took out him good. To the, he grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Took him to the Indiana game last season at PBA. First college basketball game we've been doing like 20-something. He texts his dad during the game. He's like, guess where I'm at? Because <laughs> his dad back in Indiana watches every Right, right. Every I'm at the actual game. game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, at the bas- I'm at the Hoosiers game with my buddy. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but it's just, yeah, it's just, medication, it levels you. Yeah. But it doesn't take it away. Uh, uh, tell me about what uh, therapy um, to the extent, extent that you've used that. Talk therapy? Uh, and, 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 yeah. Talk it's to, great. Uh, is it, I hear so many people say, saying they're hesitant about it, didn't want to do it, and maybe not every experience is great, but then I hear so many people saying, oh my goodness, this was so important and I didn't realize it. What has been your experience? It's been really, really good. The first therapist I had back in, I was up in Rock Valley, Iowa, they are up in Sioux County, Sam was great. He he got me. He was an older guy. He's now, I think he's now since retired from, from his practice. But he was a big sports guy, so he got me that mm-hmm. summer. He was a big Dodgers fan. That was the summer Yasiel Puig was coming on the scene strong. We were making jokes about the Bay of about right field the Dodger Stadium being the Bay of Puigs. <laughs> I still remember Stan telling me that joke. <laughs> but, you know, I've always tried to make sure I've had a relationship with the therapist. I'm just kind of working through some things right now. That was a little bit out of my control right now. <laughs> That's another thing I get a little annoyed about with the whole mental health stuff is how insurance, the government, right. they both need to be better. Period. No questions asked. How you treat it, how you fund it, how you pay for it, setting deductibles. Well, let me ask you this, because, uh, 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 you know, Uvalde happens, and you have a lot of people, I think, rightfully saying, in politics, we've got to do more about mental health. I question, a lot of times, are you really willing to, no. do, what, to do what you're saying? When you hear those things, what, what can be done, what needs to be done, fund it. would you say? Fund it. Don't do what I was done under ter- under what Iowa did under Terry Branson and whack every mental health crisis. Use that as your cheapskate for budget cuts. Iowa decimated their mental health stuff under Terry Branstad and hasn't gotten a lot better under Kim Reynolds. And and then I look at what Governor Abbott did in Texas. He beat, he cut two hundred ten million dollars from their mental health budgets. It's like, what are you doing? These are basic services that people need. And you're cutting them to the bare bone. And, you know, people that don't have the financial resources, that don't have the health insurance, that don't have the financial wherewithal to go see this medicine. When the last, the one before I'm on now, was a thousand bucks out of pocket. If I didn't have health insurance, I'd be, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. I mean, you're paying for these high level prescription. They're basically mental painkillers, is what mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, it's not like Zoloft or whatever you want to, right? The, the Vicodin, right? You're basically taking Vicodin for your brain, not for your physical brain. Oh. It's like I hear all these political people saying, "Well, we need to do something. Fund it. Don't take your budget and go after mental health because that seems to be a cheap target mm-hmm. because it's a service that kind of goes out of sight, out of mind. All those people are just crazy. No, and that's where I. I think, you know, don't get me wrong, I would never wish May 26, 2013 on anyone. But of all the places that had to happen, it, it was in Lincoln. Where fortunately, there was a trauma center and a mental health center 
five miles down 180, down 9th Street. Because if this would have happened in a small town in Sticksville, Iowa, it could have, it could have killed me. Mm-hmm. Very literally, I might not be here if it was in if it was anywhere other than Lincoln. I'm scared to think of what would happen. Mm. You know, because they've cut all the mental health. You know, they've cut mental health hospital. It goes back to the experience I had three weeks after I got out of the hospital. There was nothing available. It's like you're shutting down your state level facilities, and you're not giving resources to the you're not incentivizing the private facilities to invest in proper treatment facilities what are we doing you know i get that that's part where i go all taylor 12 and after the after the, <laughs> after the u.s missed the world cup in 2018 with his now infamous rant on espn what are we doing <laughs> and i feel i feel like channeling well, main or taylor 12 in there it's like what are we doing I, i'm curious how you feel too i uh, um when you see you know coming out of the pandemic and it's it's a different level from of need for kids right now yeah with these things and from from what i'm told even in in a community like lincoln who i think relatively is doing well and i think you've seen that too yeah we're fortunate provi- but there's it's hard to get a provider in, it's ter- in a lot of cases it's hard for, because, especially for kids yeah it's 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 rough i don't know what, and i can't speak for just to be honest i can't speak with the experience I know a little bit about what it's like to, for kids. Mm-hmm. Just from talking to various friends, but it's not because the problem is it's not just the city of Lincoln; it's all of southeast Nebraska. Coming because there's not the providers out in New York, out in Seward, out in Grand Island, out in Hayes. They're coming to Lincoln and Omaha and overwhelming the providers here in Lincoln and Omaha. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why I'm going back to school is because I want to be able to stand in. We that need camp. people to do that, and I'm glad. <laughs> I'm I glad know, we got people like you who want to. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sports is fun. I'm still, I'm not quite your level obnoxious on Twitter. About okay, okay, sorry. that's hurtful. Sorry, I'm not. <laughs> I, I empathize with you when you go off on your rants about Husker basketball and kicking the nuts. I need an outlet. <laughs> yes, or like last football season, and I was at the Iowa game. Ironically, the ticket I got that day because I was, I figured I seen the market bottom out after the Ohio State game. Figuring I could get in the door for 30, 40 bucks for the Iowa game and I had to pay 100. Oh, man. And you'll appreciate this. Guess where my ticket was? Where? The Iowa parent section. Oh, no. I would not do well. I would not oh, do well. Oh, that was. That was. And just the way my whole 2021 had gone. Yeah. Just the way things had gone, you know, different things mentally, different right. things psychologically. And of course, it was like every other Nebraska football game last season. Just get our hopes in to get crushed again. And being in the end of the Iowa parents section when this is all going on, it's like, God, do you hate me? <laughs> Why? How? How do I end up being an orphan in my own stadium? <laughs> oh, oh, someday that was someday just that, that was just like one of those. You know, you have those years when things just go wrong. They just all go wrong. Yeah. It was like the end of the 13th. Like, I'm a diehard San Antonio Spurs basketball fan. You know, and I, I'm just coming out of the hospital, just getting my life, trying to get my life back in pieces. Spurs are in the finals against LeBron and D-Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when they had Ray Chris Allen. Bosh, Ray Allen, yeah. Chris Bosh, Jesus Shuttleworth. Yes. <laughs> the Spurs are up five with 27 seconds to go. And then Ray Allen 
it's the dagger three in game six. <laughs> Sorry to bring it up. <laughs> no, but Sorry it's just, to bring no, but no, but it's just like that. It felt like that year again. It felt like all yeah. felt like thirteen all over again. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So that's where I'm hoping this year kind of. Hey, we're due. We are due for like a, a decade long joy, just uh, sports joy, right? Exactly. Non-stop. We, we've been... Just in, just as, as I've said on Twitter before, we're doing like an orgy of sports joy for a decade. Exactly. At some point. Anyway, sorry to ramble there. And no, it, it's okay. I want to I end by asking asking you this. What, you know, you, you've used the platform that you have to talk to people, but what would you like to tell people who are listening? I guess two types of people. Uh, number one, people who um, maybe going through something like this at an earlier stage, an undiagnosed stage, like you. Well, I guess let's just start. You start with yeah. that. What? What? You've. I mean, you've. You've literally got the scars. I mean, I've got the uh, physical scars on my chest. Yeah. I've got six scars on my on my left chest here. that yeah. Tell me of what I've lived through. What would you tell to those people? And this is kind of what you're you're working to eventually do. But what would you tell them right now? Get help. Reach out. Whether it's a friend, your pastor, clergy. Whatever. Be get the lines of communication. Go and talk to your family doctor. They can get you in networked with you know your family doctor is a great place to start. They'll they have connections with different mental health. They'll be able to get you the resources you need. Um, and if you can't afford it, talk to. I know. I'm pretty sure there's some state level programs that can get you some financial assistance. I'm pretty sure there's probably things within the city. That's why I love Lincoln so much. Is the city has those kind of resources available. You know, public health is a great place to reach out. To. It was kind of funny. I had to do a part of my school assignment was on looking up. If you go on Google, type in mental health in Lincoln, there's a lot of great resources. Lutheran Family Services, I think, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they have some resources. Yeah. Catholic Social Services. Right. I've done a lot with Centerpoint. Centerpoint. Centerpoint's a big one. Yeah. yeah. That's a big mental health facility. Mm-hmm. But just talk to someone. Mm-hmm. No one. Everyone would rather hear you talk to them about your problems than celebrate you at your funeral. Mm. They'd rather help you work through it. You know, you just talk to people. You know, there's people that even if you feel like you're alone, I'm sure you have someone that you can talk to. Whether you know, reach out to your pastor, your clergy member. To the extent that people are prone to hesitate to do that, why do you? I, you, I know you can only speak from your personal experience, but why it's does that happen? It's a stigma. People think, oh, you're just crazy. You're just thinking these wild thoughts. It can be legitimately something medical. Mm. Within your own, you know, get your brain, your brain chemistry is just, there's something in your serotonin levels or whatever levels of brain chemistry that are just that messed up Yeah, that you need to get medication for it. Just reach out to people. Will, like I say, people will always gladly, they would rather hear you talk about your struggles that celebrate you six feet under. What would you say to people who um, who are don't necessarily have this as a part of their life? And we talked a little bit about the way people say helpful things, not helpful things. But what would you say to everyone else in dealing with this issue in our community? It's like it's not, what what I deal with, what people with mental health deal with. It's like having cancer diabetes heart disease it's just the it's more of a mental thing it's strictly within a, the six inch get, right it's the six inch war i like to call it between my ears that i have to fight every day it, we're not crazy we're not psycho like the media's portrayed us out mm-hmm. to be 
you know, provide us opportunities to get help, get treatment, listen to our stories, just listen to what we're going through and help us get on that right path to get and help getting treatment and just be a friend because what the biggest thing you, and I've got so many of these buster hearts have listened to me on some really crappy days where I've been teary eyed, bawling, frustrated. They've listened to my rants after Husker football and basketball games, <laughs> but after, or after Bless their hearts, the people that listen. I'm a diehard St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan, so they listen to me rant in the middle of the winter, 16, 17, after the, that one team won the World Series for the first time in 108 years, <laughs> which was the most cruel winter of my life. But anyway. <laughs> but no, just just be there as a friend. Yeah. You know, if you don't know anything about it, just listen. Yeah. And, you know, if you, can, if you have the time and ability to do it, look out for resources and give them re- tools. Put tools in their belt, give them resources instead of just handing them a blank tool belt with nothing. Don't make them go on to tool time with nothing in the, with no tools in the holster, and then next, and then do something dumb like Tim the Tool Man. <laughs> sorry, I watch a lot of Home Improvement. Sorry we, have, sorry, we have Home Improvement on every morning at the office. It's very hot right now. <laughs> anyway, yeah, exactly. But no, just just be a friend. Yeah, provide yeah. the, you know, be a listening ear. The biggest thing is just be there, because that's all we ask for. Yeah, you know the days when I'm having some really tough days. I, the biggest thing is just no one. You know, I get into these. You know, my mind will trick me into thinking all these things that oh nobody cares. I know God loves me. I know I've got my faith. But just hearing it from someone that you know you are loved, you are valued, you have a purpose. You never know what your purpose might be. I thought I was going to be a sports writer. I thought I was going to be working at Sports Illustrated. Somewhere. You know, when I was 18, 19 years old, I thought I was going to be the next Peter King or Frank DeFord at Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Obviously, that didn't work out. <laughs> but now I feel like I have a purpose and wanting to be a therapist. And yeah, just be there for, just letting people know, just having people know that you care. That gets, more than anything, that's gotten me through a lot of the really. Days where I've just I've been slogging along, walking through the mud, walking through the brain fog. It never really gets old having people tell you what they like about you or what you do well or do. I mean, you need we that are encouragement. We, we are, uh, yeah. I try and remind myself not to be, um, not to be thrifty with telling people. <laughs> you know the good things I think about them. Yeah. Instead of keeping them to myself, you know, and I think that's a little bit of what what you're getting at, and you're, yeah. you're saying that. Sometimes that. I might you know question you know I I have to people some people from the outside might be thinking oh he's just looking for attention he's an egomaniac. Yeah. I'm just trying to pet myself up. Yeah. I'm just trying to get myself kick my own you know what to mm-hmm. get get my head out of this fog I'm in. But I appreciate it when people tell me that hey you're a good guy. Or we love you. We care about you. You're not alone. Yeah. Just having those verbal, you know, written reminders on social or it'll hearing make, it on the phone. It'll it'll it, 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 it'll make my day when yep. somebody does that, and they might not. It might be a passing thing. Yeah. It will make my day, and it will fuel yep. me sometimes. And yeah, um, it fuels me a lot. Yeah. Just hearing those. Well. 
you know, it, you know, it's been from some, you know, I still remember a couple of times where I've gotten some random phone calls from old friends. I don't, we haven't talked in years, and I'll get a random phone call saying, "Hey, you remember this time we laughed for ten minutes about a great memory we've had, you know, ten fifteen years ago." Yeah, and that gets me. That reminds me, there's still some great days to come. You haven't lived them yet. Yeah, and just you gotta when you're fighting those. And I've been fighting, unfortunately, more more of them than I wish I would have been in the last year. I have to keep reminding myself. There's three kids under six in Kansas City. They're my nephews. That, yeah, I want to see them grow up. Mm-hmm. I've got friends that have kids. So I want to see them grow up. And you know, whether they're sports stars or whatever they do in their lives, you know. And you got to start. Look, at, and you're here today. You're going to be talking to. You're going to, there are going to be, I mean, hundreds of people, not to brag about the podcast, there are going to be hundreds of people who, who hear this today. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know, there's, there's something, you know, there's a purpose there, too, yeah. and that plays, plays into it, too. Yeah, I, I always think. felt like I survived May 26, 2013 for a reason. Yeah. It was the, that's where I always felt, you know, when I was getting out of journalism, you know, to give people hope. Mm-hmm. You know, God saved me for a reason that day. I could, you know, because... Only God knows how close. Only God and a couple of doctors of Brian West know how close I was to in my heart that night. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, let let me say this to you. I number one, I uh, uh, appreciate your your courage and your willingness to do this. I know um, <laughs> uh, it could you know going into a you know basically a stranger's house <laughs> and having this conversation. So good. But I think it's important. Um, and I wanted, even if, if for nothing else, just for me, um, to have that conversation. And so you should be commended for that. Um, and, um, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, I, I, it, you know, it's weird, but I don't know if it's weird or not, but I feel like I know you, right? And, and social media's got some bad stuff to it, but I'm invested in, in you and following along with you and your sorts of things, and you don't even know it, but I'm following along with that too. I care about that too, um, and I, you know, and I, and I, I also, and who knows, who who knows what happens next for you, but the, you know, whatever the the, the, the to to take the struggles that you've had, and 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 look to help other people with it to go through this, man, we all go through a whole lot of uncertainty, a lot, whole lot of things, and maybe that's next for you at this point, but. Um, I respect the heck out of the fact that you're willing to do this, that you're willing to, um, to to take the risk, to take the vulnerability of of being public with some of the stuff that does get you stigmatized, that does get you people being assholes, that you know all of those things. And it's, so I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. It's it's an educational process, and I see that as kind of my life mission right now is break down those stigmas. We're not crazy. Those of us that have been all in this, you know, we get stigmatized like that in the media or whatever. Just get to know us. We're humans like you and like you and me, like you and everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our good days, we have our bad days. I, you know, I try to when I know I'm getting towards the down cycle. I try to, I get very tensed up. I try to limit myself, you know, where I know I'm not put myself in bad situation. I know what my triggers are. I know what I need to stay away from. No offense to Boiler Brewing, I stay away from that place on days when I know I'm down. As much as I love Boiler South, <laughs> I know, or I can't, I can't go to places like that. Yeah, I, you know, luckily, I, 
I'm in a good time of the year. I know I have my happy place roughly every week to every other week with the salt dogs or the storm chasers. Yeah. If I'm having a rough night. Yeah. Or you know, get to the weekend. I can get to get to Haymarket mm-hmm. Park, get up to Warner Park. In mm-hmm. the winter, it's going to Husker basketball games or wrestling meets at Devaney with Coach Manning and mm-hmm. Coach Dalagan. Take a he's married to my cousin. Go Coach T. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so but you know, I have my outlets. I try to make sure you know, even if I'm having a bad week, you know, I always try to keep myself looking forward to something. Hey, there's just a new experience that you may never see. You may see something you never see at those things. Yeah. Little did I know when I walked into Haymarket Park the Friday game last season against Michigan, that I would see something I probably will never see again in my life when Cade Pilich threw the immaculate first inning against Michigan. Yep. You know, something like that, or when I went to the Storm Chasers game a few weeks ago. They were down six in the ninth and came and hit a grand walk off grand slam mm-hmm. to win it. You know, win like ten to nine or come back yeah. from down like nine three, something like that. Now I just wish they'd bring all those guys up to Kansas City, but that's another story altogether. Yeah, well, yeah, we uh, that's a whole nother <laughs> that's a new, po- that's a whole other podcast. That's right? a whole other podcast. Hey, uh, can I can I ask you? Uh, why don't you if you if you want to? You want to? Yeah. Do you mind Twitter well, on, on social media after yeah. hearing this? I, I have a feeling Trump, people might I want to. I do keep my friends list pretty closed on Facebook, so yeah. Also, but uh, about on Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter at Ryan Kronberg. If you want to email me, it's Ryan R Y A N K R O N B E R G ninety nine at gmail dot com. You'll be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. People reach out if you want to. Cool. Make sure you specifically say in the question in the in subject line, right. blah, blah blah. So that so way it doesn't do, do go to junk mail. Or, yeah, yeah. And I'll keep an eye on my podcast. junk mail here. You say Jack Mitchell podcast is the greatest. Um, yeah, but that'll yeah. Up. Follow me on Twitter. Um, you know, and no offense to my Facebook, I do keep it kind of close no, to my I friends. Get I get it. I get it. No, Twitter. That's I don't do that. Twitter's. I, I, but Twitter's great. Yeah, and all that. I agree. Follow me I on agree. Twitter at Ryan. I think it's at Ryan Crum. Let me look it up. I got a computer right here. <laughs> I can't remember because I had to change my email. A few it's years. just at Ryan Kronberg. R Y I A N K R O N B E R G. So you'll see a lot of you know, mental health stuff. A lot of Husker. Football, baseball, yeah, basketball, Husker sports. Stuff. Uh, to me, it's 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 compelling, and it's it's something. But I mean, well, it doesn't matter if it's compelling. But it's something where I, I've I've learned a lot through it. I've learned a lot through your journey, and I learned more about it today. Um, and so I, I I just want to thank you again for doing this. I, um, yeah, I hope that I hope there's some good of it, and and even more than any of that, though, I I can I, I look to continue to stay connected with you throughout this whole thing, and and I'm glad you're in Lincoln. Um, Thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad you're in Lincoln. It's good to be home. Yeah. After 13 years in Iowa, and now, yeah. after 17 years in Iowa altogether, no offense. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I love my hometown dearly, but I also love the big city lifestyle of Lincoln and having the fact that Haymarket Park and yep. the Main Center are 10 minutes away Stuff instead of do. an hour. Stuff to do. And, you know, the cheap plug New Day Coffee, which Mark and Jenny are great owners over here on 70th and Pioneers. Yep, let yep. me hang out there for hours. That's on fine. I've been there a lot. Those but coffee shops that let me hang out for hours on end while I'm studying. It's or nice, isn't it? Need to get out of the house. And don't want... well, that's great. I'm glad I'm glad you like it here. I, I love, I love, I love being too, home. So. There truly, you know, there truly is no place that I am like home. You, you know, yeah, I'm from Stroudsburg, but and that will always be my home. You know, my hometown, but I think it's my home. It's good to be home. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate it. Anytime, my friend.